This is Fresh Capital. Every week we provide a refreshingly simple way to learn how companies operate and how investing works. If you're not already subscribed or a follower, please hit the button on your app now. If you are subscribed and following, tell a friend about us. You sharing Fresh Capital is the only way we grow. We also have an email, freshcapitalpodcast at gmail.com. Check it out in the show notes. Do you have a company we should break down or a guest you'd like to hear from? Send your suggestions to us along with any other feedback. Anyway, enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to another episode of Fresh Capital. Every week we provide a refreshingly simple way to learn how companies operate. My name is Dan and I'm joined by my good friend, Albert. Albert, how are you going? Yeah, Dan, going good. I've had a pretty tiring weekend looking at houses the past few days. That's a, that's an upgrade from the car you've been looking at. What's changed, Albert? <laughs> you know, a bit more money has come in. Nah, um, our lease expires at the end of next month. And so my housemate and I are looking for apartments together. We're trying to find something, kind of an upgrade from our current place. I've got a pretty nice place looking for a lot of sun, you know, some big bedrooms, which are both things are quite hard to find here in Sydney. They are hard to find. And uh, as someone who's just moved, I can tell you it, it doesn't end as soon as you moved in. We just had an Ikea trip today and it was exhausting. So I'm looking forward to sort of having a, an evening where we drill down into a company um, and I can sort of relax after that. You ready to get into it, Albert? Yeah, let's do it. So this episode, we're going to be discussing the pitch for Shopify. As with every week, we'll start off with a summary of the business. We'll then discuss what's driving its revenue, trends in the industry, and competitors. We'll finish the episode with our overall verdict on the company. Albert, how about you go through the overview of Shopify? So just a quick overview. Shopify is a SaaS platform. That's software as a service platform that provides the tools for merchants to start, grow, market, and then manage an e-commerce business, an online business that sells you know, products or services. What Shopify aims to do for these uh, merchants is to make commerce better for all the merchants who use that platform and have engineered their platform to be not only reliable for these merchants, but also to deliver better user experience for them and a shopping experience for their buyers. I read this really great kind of analogy that says, or describes Shopify as the central nervous system for people who are looking to start an e-commerce business. So Shopify might just be one of those huge businesses that sit on the back end of a platform or website that most people haven't even heard of, um, but have you know, used or browsed um, or interacted with at least once. You know, if I think about some of the really big names who use Shopify, Tesla, uh, Kylie Jenner's a cosmetic shop uses Shopify, Allbirds uses Shopify to power their platform. Shopify lets all these brands connect with customers and lets merchants manage their store, their value chain in one integrated platform from product and inventory management processing orders, to payments, to shipping, to marketing, to customer analytics, and so forth. 
the power of Shopify is that not only lets you do this in one integrated platform, it also lets you do that through a number of sales channels, such as through mobile, through an app, through online stores. I think that's a good overview, Albert. And one thing I like to do when I listen to those sorts of descriptions is just sort of strip things away. So, you know, when we say platform, what we're really talking about here is is essentially a website. Is that right, Albert? Yeah. So what Shopify lets you do is create a website uh, for you then to sell things. So for example, if I want to sell a painting, I could go into Shopify, create a website that lets me sell my paintings. I guess the power of Shopify is that not only does it let me sell these paintings, it provides me all the tools I need to manage a store, including how many paintings I have, who I ship them to, and analytics around who is actually buying and visiting my store. The way I've, I've sort of been thinking about it is it's the, uh, if anyone's worked in retail, the POS, uh, the point of service, point of sale rather, that sort of machine you have next to the computer in a shoe store or a clothing store where people go to pay. Um, but Shopify is that for online. So all the payments and everything goes through there. And what they've done is they've essentially built out the retail store around it. So they started with this, this payment platform, which fits in really well. And then they've expanded that out so that now you've got tools that help with marketing You've got tools with help, which help with inventory management, uh, seeing which of your products are selling best and, and why. And they've integrated everything you need to you know, run a, a sales business online. And that's how you get the e-commerce part of it, along with all the other jargon that flies in. But conceptually, it's, it's really easy to strip it away and just think of it as they provide a solution to selling products online through a website. And they... Do that solution through having a multi-channel front end this is where the jargon comes in which means that they can plug into different sales channels so as albert said you've got web and mobile uh, you've got amazon um, some of the other sort of marketplaces like facebook and whatever else so it can plug in to all these places to sell from and it has a single integrated back end which just means even if you're selling uh, let's say socks at five different places online, you can see how each of that's doing all on one, essentially a little web page that you've got on the back end, which puts all your figures integrated all into one. Does that sum it up, Albert? Yeah, yeah, it's a good summary. I think it's just worth noting that, you know, it's not just payments, that's the value of the platform. I think if you think about it as kind of a turnkey, you want to start an e-commerce business, you go to Shopify, you know, you come up with a name and what the product you want to sell is, you press go, and suddenly you've got this platform that lets you do all the things that are involved in selling anything online uh, without having to worry about, you know, who do I use to, uh, to ship my products or how do I do marketing? You know, Shopify takes care of all that stuff for you. That's, that's right. Um, and if you go on YouTube, you can find places that will or find videos rather that will give you a tutorial of setting up your own e-commerce business in four minutes. So that's how easy and streamlined they've made the process. As Albert says, turnkey, that basically means you, you walk up to the door, you put in the key and you're good to go. Um, now, as you can imagine, for this sort of business, 
there's two ways that they generate revenue. One is through subscriptions. So I might pay a, a monthly subscription to be able to use a, a Shopify account uh, and have that website up. And then they have merchant solutions, which is, I think of it more of um, like a, a subscription plus model where they've given more functionality such as accepting payments, shipping, fulfillment, um, and all of that around that business. Albert, how do these two things break down in terms of how Shopify are generating revenue? Yeah, so Merchant Solutions, you know, kind of these add-ons to Shopify's core subscription business makes up about, you know, two-thirds of their business, while subscription review makes up about a third of their business. So to put that into raw absolute numbers, like Merchant Solutions generates about 2 billion, subscriptions generate about 900 million in 2020. So an aggregate sum in 2020 for Shopify of almost or just shy of $3 billion. Jumping into Merchant's kind of in a deep dive, uh, you're right, they're kind of like the solutions or add-ons that you wrap around this core subscription or this core offering of helping businesses set up their shop. So these solutions range from a number of things, including payments, um, shipping, which we've talked about, as well as setting up an email address, advertising, um, and they've recently started to move into financing. So they've got what they call Shopify Capital, which does small business loans for their customers or merchants. And they've also started to rise the, uh, or you know, surf the buy now, pay later rocket, um, and have recently launched uh, a service called ShopPay, which is their version of a buy now, pay later service. We jump back to the third of their business subscriptions. Um, this is when you know merchants would sign up to use their platform. They pay a subscription fee based on how much one they're selling, but two, what kind of services they want from Shopify. So it's kind of broke into three, mm. uh, basic, and then I guess the vanilla Shopify, as well as Shopify Advance. They also have a, a specialty product called Shopify Plus, which is used for a lot of the enterprise customers like Tesla or Birds. So I think the one to look at is um, the merchant solutions because that's two thirds of their total revenue. And when we say, uh, you know, that they're taking a fee on payments, it's, that's, that's where I believe the money is for them. You think of PayPal, MasterCard, Visa, they're taking a percentage fee of every transaction that goes through them. It's a very, very small fee, but when you have a hundred, rather 1,700,000 odd merchants, each selling products every single day, all those little transactions add up into a very large uh, revenue generating machine. So for me, that's their core business. And it's interesting for me to, to have a look at how they're looking at growing in the future. And I think that's where we'll take the discussion next out of it. They're really wanting to obviously increase the amount of merchants they have but a focus for them is making sure that their merchants are successful because even if they don't add another merchant in 2021, if their existing merchants are just selling like gangbusters, each of them individually being more successful at selling and having more and more transactions, that by itself will improve Shopify as a business, which has gotten me down this little wormhole where if you go on YouTube, if you go on the internet, there's a whole lot of, I won't be too pejorative, but sort of get rich quick um, type 
news articles, videos using Shopify. The general gist of it being, you know, create this e-commerce site in four minutes, and then you can start generating revenue of a couple of thousand every week and quit your day job, that sort of thing. In fact, Shopify have even gotten behind, I think it's a Netflix TV show called I Quit, which follows people who quit a nine to five job to set up a Shopify account. So they, they lean into this idea of them being the entrepreneur's choice. Uh, you can get on Shopify and quit your day job, which I think is just like a really interesting marketing strategy to lean into. Albert, how do you see them growing and what do you think they're focusing on as they grow into 2021 and beyond? This is uh, so interesting. I didn't realize there were these YouTube videos that encourage people or this, you know, show called I Quit that encourage people to quit their day jobs and start an e-commerce business on Shopify. But there you go. It's, it's interesting because Shopify was actually started uh, around the time of the GFC and they saw a huge uptick at the time in customers from people who then had either lost their jobs or quit their jobs because of the economic downturn at the time and then started an e-commerce business. So they saw that, you know, when the downturn had come in 2008, you know, people were looking for a platform to start and help them manage an online business. There wasn't many things like that. And it just so happened that Shopify started around that time and enabled their customers to do that. It's so funny that, you know, we've experienced the downturn recently because of COVID and some people argue that we're still in an economic downturn. Um, whether, you know, in a year's time, we'll see that uptick as well. I think where, to answer your question, Dan, where I see kind of Shopify moving towards in the future, I think, you know, your, their sweet spot is still that small to medium enterprise space. You know, they talk about having this huge market size of, you know, in their words, anyone who wants to start a business selling any product anywhere. Um, and if, you know, you want to do that or you want to sell a product Shopify is the place to go. So I think as long as that tailwind of, you know, small to medium enterprise continues, as long as people are looking to start direct to consumer brands, of people are looking to create something and um, sell it, and all these kind of trends we can dive deep into later, I think Shopify will continue to keep growing in that space. I think so too. And there's two aspects of this that I wanted to dig into a little bit. One was the inclusive nature of, of Shopify, particularly how it's marketing itself as, uh, these are my words, but entrepreneur's choice, essentially. Uh, I think entrepreneurship really has become a bit of a, a buzzword and a buzz theme, at least for the people we hang out with, Albert. I mean, look, we started a podcast about investing, so this is obviously in our wheelhouse. But it seems to me that there is a growing I'm not going to say need, but a growing want to explore things outside of your nine to five job. Maybe you're not feeling fulfilled in it. And an outlet for that is, you know, some people have family, some people have pets, but for others, it's to try and start up your own business, be financially independent, retire at an early age. And so it, it seems like they're hitting uh, just this sweet spot of what people want in this moment. And I think that uh, all the downtime people got during coronavirus has expedited that where, yeah, I've got nowhere to go after five o'clock anyway, so maybe I can pop online, earn a few bucks setting up this e-commerce site. 
Um, and it's really attractive, this idea that it's, it's low effort. And we haven't even got into the idea of drop shipping, Albert, which is, um, as we're talking about, the functionality of Shopify is not only do you have this website which can process payments, but they can also process the delivery side of things, the shipping side of things. So say I'm running this operation out of my house. If I've set up a supplier who's uh, living in, in downtown Sydney, uh, I can have Shopify come on and pick up the packages direct from the supplier. So none of those products even have to come to my house and I have to repackage them and all that sort of thing. I can do that if I want, if I want to put particular nice packaging on it, but I can set it up in a way where really it's just the business is turning over itself. Um, and that's you know something which its competitors, Shopify's competitors, which we'll get into a little bit later, aren't doing. What do you think about that, Albert, where I, I guess what I'm talking about is is Shopify the next uh, American dream, you know, how to be successful? Is, is that what's going to carry it forward in the future? Yeah, I think if you look at, or ref, I'm just reflecting on what you just said around, you know, people want to start, you know, for lack of a better term, a side hustle or, you know, they're not necessarily fulfilled with their nine to five and have turned to, you know, platforms like Shopify or even Amazon, eBay, Instagram, Depop, etc., to start generating a bit of revenue. I think a lot of this stuff is enabled by platforms like Shopify, but also the rise of things like Instagram, where people have so much marketing and direct custom, direct to customer brands right at their face, that they either get inspired to create something themselves, uh, or they start to look at and find, you know, very niche and specific products from other businesses. And so what Shopify is doing is capitalizing not only on the trend of people want to start or starting businesses, but also this kind of trend of so much advertising is now in our face. A lot of businesses can see, you know, how Instagram, et cetera, influencers are marketing these products and are shifting away from, you know, retailers into direct to consumer branding or direct to consumer models. And as a result of that, Shopify kind of wins out. You know, instead of going to Walmart to buy your Lululemon, you can buy your Lululemon directly from Lululemon through a Shopify. That's a very, you know, specific example because I don't think Walmart sells Lululemon. It's just the first brand that came to mind. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know you're in the market for some yoga pants, Albert. Um, but one of the things, this is just, uh, I'm trying to put up the opposite case. Um, I, I think of Shopify as having some parallels to gyms. You know, the reason some people, or the reason gyms have such large signups at the start of the year and use resolutions, people dream about being a, a different self. They want to be fitter. They want to be healthier. They want to uh, be someone that they, they believe they're not at the moment. And a gym is a way of manifesting that in real life. Similarly, as I've just talked about, you know, the dream of having your own side hustle, being independent financially, etc. Shopify is also selling that sort of dream. Now, I don't know if you're the same Albert, but I've definitely paid for a website subscription, used it for about a month, and then just lost all motivation and stopped using it. I've done the same for a gym before as well. 
Do you think that there's some dead weight on Shopify's books where you've got merchants in quotation marks who have signed up for the subscription, they paid up for the year, but you know, realistically, they're not going to continue for a second year. They're just, they've, they had their fun. Um, they're sick of it now they've lost interest. Um, and so maybe Shopify's large merchant base isn't as large as we think it is. Yeah. I'm just reflecting on what you've said about, you know, going to the gym or new year's resolutions and things like that. I think mine this year was to meditate. So at the start of the, year, I listened to a two minute meditation, um, song, I guess on YouTube and two minute meditation video, I probably did that for like two or three weeks. And then I've just like, it's died off completely in the same way. Um, there are a, a really long tail of Shopify merchants. I think in their annual report, they talk about the majority of Shopify customers. So the merchants on Shopify, um, only pay about $50 a month. So, you know, while they have these big enterprise names and I'm sure a lot of niche brands, they've got this huge tail of merchants who probably don't sell much. And again, if you think about, again, this American dream analogy or the Australian dream analogy you were just talking about, because Shopify makes it so easy to start a business, you know, it costs, you know, a couple of dollars a month, not a couple of dollars, but it's not going to break the bank for you to start a business. If you don't go through or if the business fails, the actual cost of that business failing is quite low. If you went to start a business elsewhere, say on Squarespace or in store, you'd have to make the website, you have to design everything, you'd have to find, you know, someone to ship everything for you. It's quite capital intensive and effort intensive. So because it's such low effort, mm -hmm. you'd expect churn rates to be quite high. And when you dive into some of the investment theses that people write on Shopify, um, I was reading the original investment thesis that Bessemer Venture Partners um, had written where they first invested in Series A in Shopify. They talk about the churn rate being quite high for new businesses, but after six months, the churn rate of customers there actually declines to about three to 5%. So very similar in line with other SaaS businesses. So similar with, uh, you know, people going to gyms um, because it's so easy to start a business on Shopify. I don't necessarily think the churn rate or the initial churn rate is particularly uh, problematic. I also don't think that having this, kind of long tail of merchants is particularly problematic either because it's so easy to start a business. They don't pay much for customer acquisition. And so because of that, you're always going to have this really long tail. They've also got this kind of interesting stat um, on their annual report that like every nine and a half seconds, a merchant gets their first sale on Shopify, oh, which is crazy. That's, it just shows the power of the platform. That, that is a, an amazing stat. No wonder they flog it around so much. One of the things you mentioned out that is their low cost of customer acquisition, which is something which we should get into because it is a big advantage that Shopify have, which is this network they have around them of partners and app developers. So similar to like a, a Google marketplace, um, or WordPress is probably a better example. So for those of you that don't know WordPress, is a platform where you can set up your own website. And then within that, say you want to add payments to your website, or you really want to add a particular type of image scrolling on your website, then you have these plugins or plugins or add-ons, which you can use through WordPress. 
And not all of these are developed by WordPress directly. They're third-party developers who just want to latch on to WordPress's system and add a functionality. And Shopify has this where they have, you know, over 6,000 apps available in their Shopify app store, which if you've got a Shopify website or e-commerce site, you're building out your business, all those apps are available to you to, you know, add a very niche functionality that you might want. Uh, and they've got about 42,000 partners in this network, in this platform um, network, which also refer people to Shopify. So say you're a business, uh, an, an app developer, and you're getting questions from uh, a client saying, oh, who should I use to set up an e-commerce site? Those uh, developers are then referring people onto Shopify to use. So you're getting this big network effect, which as you were mentioning, Albert, drives down the cost of acquiring uh, your merchants, which is a big plus for them. And it's something that you don't think is going to go away. Once someone is on the Shopify platform, and once developers are putting time and resources into developing applications for the Shopify platform, it's very unlikely that they're going to go elsewhere, that it's, it's sticky. Yeah, I actually really love this about um, Shopify's business, both the apps and the ecosystem partners. And I'll talk to you now about why I love both of them. And the first on apps, if you run a product business, you, you know, you're listening to customer feedback all the time. You know, as a customer, we think it'd be great to have this new feature. As a customer, we think it'd be really good for you to fix this bug or integrate this API, et cetera, et cetera. When you've got 1.7 million customers like Shopify does, like there's no way you can either build, prioritize, develop all those features that customers are asking for. So because of this, they've created this um, app marketplace that enables other developers to come in and build things that integrate with Shopify that then make the product even better. This incentivizes more people to use Shopify, like you've said. It also means that developers can build something really easily, monetize it without having to create their own platform. So that, I love that about Shopify. It, it just makes the product even better. On the second point, Dan, you've raised ecosystem partners. Um, you're absolutely right. If you're a web developer and someone's come to you and said, hey, I need you to build me an e-commerce site, you, are you going to build one from scratch or are you just going to build one in Shopify? And so what Shopify has done is actually made those web developers' lives easier. In addition to that, they're incentivized by Shopify to use Shopify. I think I read some stat that said for their referral partners, they get 20% of the lifetime contract value of the person or the business they're referred to. So if they sign up to you know, one of their basic plans, they get a 20% cut of that basic plan until the person leaves Shopify. How crazy is that? That's crazy. That's one of those ones where if you just get one business, which hits it big, um, probably something related with dogs and pets, then as a developer, you're, you're getting a 20% cut of that in perpetuity. So in perpetuity. So that's a great business model, a great incentivizer. Albert, should we talk about competitors of Shopify? Yes, let's talk about competitors. This is such an interesting point because we talked about this right before we started recording. We probably don't have that uh, grounded of a view of who their competitors are. I think the natural one that a lot of people have written about um, is Amazon. Um, but I think for me, when I look at both businesses, Amazon is 
and it's uh, described as an aggregator and Shopify is described as a platform. Shopify actually doesn't sell anything where Amazon does sell things. So for me, it's hard to see Amazon and Shopify being direct competitors. What do you think, Dan? I think that's the one that we, we need to dig into most because there is a big difference. And even on the front end, so from the merchant side of things, there is a lot of information out there about why you should use one over the other. And what I've sort of taken out of that research is um, you would go with Shopify if you want brand ownership, which let's be honest, is probably what a lot of merchants want. Uh, so Shopify allows you to design your brand, develop a direct relationship with your buyers, have logos, etc., all on your products. Um, and you keep the personal data or data of your shoppers as they go through the platform. So you can really build up these direct relationships, which you can then leverage for future transactions, future services. It is you running your own e-commerce business, your own business. When you have Amazon, as you say, it's, it's aggregated, you know, it's like a listing, which you just put up there and it's very price sensitive. So you imagine like with Amazon and like with eBay, if you're shopping, um, for, I don't know, it's a household product. Um, people are just looking for the, the cheapest price. And so they're not looking to keep coming back to you as a seller. The next time they log on to Amazon or to eBay, they're just going to pick out the cheapest possible price for that product. They are very much interested in the, in the product and less so who's selling it to them. Uh, and that means that the way you develop a relationship with your platform provider, whether it be Amazon or Shopify is very different. It feels much more like you're going to Amazon. If you are trying to run a business, which just creates money, creates revenue, sells a product, uh, you're very interested probably in margins. So you're buying from a low cost supplier and then trying to sell it for higher on Amazon for Shopify. I feel like the type of merchant is probably you know, someone very interested in their image, they're interested in design and marketing, they're trying to think about the best ways that they can market a product which is close to their heart and which they have some sort of emotional attachment to. And that to me is such a, a key differentiator between these two businesses. I think they're hitting completely different markets and they're servicing completely different needs. Did anything else to jump on that, Albert? No, I, you're absolutely right. I think the core that I see it as, and I just kind of boil it down to this point, Shopify lets merchants play by their own rules. You know, mm. it lets them customize the, the customer experience for the people who come to their shop. Um, they can, you know, choose to sell price things. They don't have to use Amazon coupons. They're not, um, you know, at the mercy of Amazon as a supplier or a distribution center or fulfillment. Um, Ultimately, Shopify empowers merchants, or as Shopify likes to call it, arms the rebels against these kinds of businesses. Whereas if you sell something on Amazon, you have to play by Amazon's rules. So that means if Amazon issues out you know, a coupon or a discount, you've got to play by that. You're um, at mercy of Amazon's customer experience, which then you can't control if you are trying to sell a product that you love or you care really deeply about. Um, so I think that's kind of the core difference. I think you also brought up this idea, Dan, that someone that um, Shopify does compete with is Squarespace. Do you want to quickly talk about that? 
Yeah, so I used Squarespace a little while ago. That's, uh, to be honest, one of the websites which I used for a couple of months and stopped using. The reason I sort of compare it to Squarespace is Squarespace did for websites what I think Shopify is doing for e-commerce. So you have WordPress, which is an all functions. Um, you can customize it however you like. As we talked about, they've got all these app developers on there. You can create any kind of website with WordPress, but it's a little bit difficult to use, like a steep learning curve. Um, it looks a little bit weird and intimidating when you first log onto it. Squarespace strips all of that away and just made everything super user-friendly. You've got drag and drop. It looks super slick and nice. And I think that's what Shopify has done for e-commerce. There were other companies out there selling e-commerce uh, as a service, but they just didn't do it as nicely and seamlessly as Shopify did. Another example would be you've got Microsoft and Apple, similar products, but Apple just so much tighter around design and user experience. Um, where I think Squarespace might move into this um, area of where Shopify is using is they're already getting people who want to create a website. And that, to me, immediately overlaps with someone wanting to create an e-commerce site. And I know through Squarespace, they automatically set up payments within it. They take a couple of percentage points off every transaction. But they've made it like an all-in-one package. And so if you just sort of prefer the website building experience that Squarespace has, or some of these other domain providers like GoDaddy, et cetera, that to me is where Shopify starts losing out some of its market share because I think that's an entry point for merchants to just stick with whoever they're using for their website. Yeah, it's also an interesting point in that once you start on Shopify and your business starts to scale and you might be sick of you know the percentage clip that Shopify take, you might start to think about, can I do this myself and move to a platform like Squarespace, which is you know predominantly domain hosting and website building. But because Shopify is so kind of integrated as a platform, it actually makes it really difficult for customers to lift and shift their business. You've got to rebuild your platform. You've got to do all these different things. So I think that's part of this value proposition and what makes Shopify so great and so valuable as a business is that it makes it really hard to leave. If you're a small business and you've grown because of Shopify and now suddenly you know, you want to improve margins and move off it. It's quite difficult to do that because you've got to set up all the infrastructure that Shopify provided. So let's look to the future, Albert. Where, what's our verdict on, on Shopify? Are we interested in them in the future or are we a little bit uh, wary of their, their high price, which last time I saw it trading was at about 1,400 USD, which is astronomical. Uh, I think at IPO, they were about 17 bucks. So it's just shut up since then. What do you think for the future for Shopify? Yeah, you're right. It's quite, um, I wouldn't say overpriced, but it's very overpriced. You know, it's trading at about uh, 58x revenue, um, almost 600x profit. Um, so <laughs> incredibly overpriced as a business. I think where I've landed is I'm probably bullish on Shopify and it might be expensive now, but I think it's cheap in the long term. I think, you know, we always talk about tailwinds and what needs to be true on this podcast. 
I think a couple of trends for me is first kind of this continued emphasis in the market on direct to consumer. You know, I think a couple of years ago, direct to consumer wasn't that big of a deal, but as online platforms, mobile apps, the shopping experience gets much better. Businesses are cutting out, you know, the middle people, intermediaries and how they interact with customers, taking control of their own destiny, destiny and the customer experience and really trying to optimize for a direct to consumer customer experience and Shopify lets you do that. I guess the other two tailwinds I've been kind of thinking about as I rationalize why I'm bullish on Shopify is um, this American dream point that you touched on before, Dan, you know, it's now easier, uh, you know, at any point in history is much harder, but now at this point in time, it is so much easier to create your own business and to sell a product. And so as people look to do that, either through, you know, drop shipping or actually making a product, um, or, you know, you can buy existing Shopify stores off Shopify people, I think people will continue to focus and that will drive Shopify's growth. I think lastly, um, you can't underbake emerging markets and the rise of retail in those emerging markets. You know, the US and Canada make up almost 60% of Shopify's customer base. But, you know, a lot of these emerging markets like India, Africa, China, as they have a growing middle class, a lot of people in that middle class in those countries are going to want to buy things and they'll have more purchasing power. And as a result of that, Shopify's penetration in a lot of these countries will increase, which only then starts to grow their market size. You know, all these creator economy, the focus on direct-to-consumer trends that we're seeing in Western countries, I think we'll start to see in emerging markets. That's a, that's a good point. What I've been thinking about for Shopify is, is I was doing a little bit of research on MasterCard and Visa the other week. And what I was astounded by was the amount of transactions that are still cash in the world and even in developed countries like Australia and the United States where you can regularly use PayPass and bank cards and that sort of thing. A lot of transactions are still cash. And so when I think of tailwinds, it's just that more of our transactions are moving online. What does that mean? It means actually that there's a growing space for middle people to exist. Before there was the bank which held your money, I took money out of the bank, I gave it to the shopfront owner. Now, if I'm going to be purchasing something online, it necessitates a third party to process that payment. And usually they're taking a couple, like a percentage point off whatever that transaction. So it feels like we're now entering a territory where this is going to be really commonplace and there's just going to be, as more of these transactions move online, it just, it's growth for these companies. It's more business for them to just take a percentage point off. So that's where I'm quite bullish on them in the future, because I think they've built up a platform which is extremely diverse. Uh, there's no single Tesla or company that's taking up a large part of their revenue pie. It's super diversified across a million seven hundred thousand merchants. Um, they're not in any particular product stream, which means if the economy takes a bit due to COVID and certain businesses are cratering, they're pretty well diversified. 
they've even got Shopify in physical stores now. So even if, I don't know, the internet gets unplugged or something like that, there's still a, a way for them to process transactions at storefronts. So for me, they've really embedded themselves nicely and it encapsulates a tweet that we were laughing about before we started recording, which was uh, the CEO was sort of tweeted out saying, what are the odds that Amazon's going to buy out uh, Shopify in 2019? And he tweeted back saying, well, Shopify is going to buy Amazon in 2029. And that suggests that he's got a really long view of what Shopify could be in the future. And yes, Amazon's a dominant player right now, but the way Shopify has embedded itself, and for me also embedded itself in this idea, this dream of entrepreneurship, makes me think, yeah, in 2029, maybe they'll be the bigger company compared to Amazon. And that's that's not something I say lightly. That's a ludicrous thing to say given the size and, and power of Amazon. Yeah, I think just lastly, I actually I love that tweet because uh, you know, in 2015, Amazon had a competing service called Amazon Web Store that, you know, similar to Shopify, enabled merchants to build a, a e-commerce site around their product. And that was kind of underpinned by Amazon and AWS. Amazon actually lost that. They closed their offering because they lost to Shopify. So I, I think that's just so telling of the kind of business that Shopify is and where it's heading, that they can make those statements to Amazon because they've fought Amazon and won. All right, Albert, let's finish up there. Thank you for listening to Fresh Capital, a podcast about learning how companies operate in a refreshingly simple way. Please support our podcast by rating it five stars on Apple iTunes, subscribe and follow, particularly to our listeners on Spotify and there are a fair few of you. Please give us a follow. It really helps us out. Thanks again and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fresh Capital. Every week, we provide a refreshingly simple way to learn how companies operate and how investing works. Just a reminder, all information contained in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional, financial, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Fresh Capital are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Any opinions expressed in the show are not recommendations or advice. Please consult a licensed financial professional before you jump in. As always, we look forward to seeing you next week. See ya.